Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Hosted by Irving Risch. The Way of Life. Being. Notes of Lectures Delivered in Scandinavia, 1904. By J. Boyd. Revised. London, G. Morrish, 20, Paternoster Square. 1906. The Lamb of God, John chapter 1 verses 29 to 39. The Lord Jesus comes before us in these verses in three ways, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost, and who leads his followers to where he dwells. In the first place, he is in contrast with the first Adam, who brought sin into the world, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Sin was in the creation before it was in the world, the devil was a sinner before Adam fell. But it was not in the world as God made it. And Adam should have kept it out of the innocent creation. He allowed it to come into the world, and the world has been filled with it. But Christ came to put it away. The Lamb of God will remove every trace of it out of the world. John the Baptist points him out in this character. The mention of the Lamb of God brings the thought of a sacrifice to the mind, he appeared to put away sin by his sacrifice. Sin has its seat in the flesh, and he came in the likeness of sinful flesh that sin might be condemned where it had its seat. He who knew no sin, but was holy and spotless, was made sin, and in his cross God gave expression to his holy abhorrence of sin, and his righteous judgment of it. So that every intelligent being in the universe might know what sin was in the sight of God. Man imagines that God thinks of sin pretty much as he does, but God has shown by the cross of his Son that he must visit it with the most unsparing judgment. But this judgment was not to be visited on the sinner, God had purposes of grace with regard to him. Still it must be judged, for God is holy and righteous and cannot pass it by. Someone must bear the judgment of sin, and if that judgment be visited on man, he is lost forever. You remember what Abraham said to Isaac in answer to his question, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? The answer of Abraham was, my son. God will provide himself with a lamb for a burnt offering. No lamb that man ever brought could take away sin, only the lamb of God could do that great work. Peter speaks of him as, a lamb without blemish and without spot. In his cross God dealt with sin as it deserved. Whatever he may yet say to the sinner in the day of judgment will not express in a greater way his abhorrence of that terrible and hateful thing. And in that cross it was dealt with as it deserved, and put away from the sight of God forever. Someone might object to this and say that sin was as much in the world today as ever it was. That is so, but nevertheless it has received its judgment, and the removal of every trace of it out of the universe is only a matter of detail. God has been glorified as regards it, and it does not now stand between him and the blessing of his sinful creature. In the book of Revelation we read of the Lamb of God, and we see the way in which he cleanses the world from sin. But the one who cleanses this defiled scene from its presence is presented to us at the outset of the book as a lamb as it had been slain. Revelation chapter 5 verse 6. He it is who cleanses the world from the presence of sin. In that book the judgments of God are poured out on the earth, but here he is brought before us more in the way of blessing. Peter speaks of him as being manifested in these last times on behalf of believers. The Lamb of God offered himself as a sacrifice that we might be saved. And in his death the love of God came to light, and this getting into our hearts by the Holy Spirit has broken the power of sin there. But he executes judgment in the day of wrath, and the world will be purged by the judgment that he executes, and he will bring in a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Secondly, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. He sets the believer up in the power of the Spirit. There is no mending of the flesh. In the putting away of sin the flesh was set aside, in order that we might be set up with a new fountain of life within. And Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. 
John points him out in this character. The Spirit was promised in the past dispensation by the prophets, and now that the time of the probation of man was drawing to a close he is looked for by the forerunner of Christ. But who this person was who was to give the Spirit John did not know. He was told that the one upon whom he would see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, he it was who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Like Aaron, who was anointed with oil apart from his sons and without blood, Leviticus chapter 7 verse 12, so Christ received the Spirit altogether apart from the shedding of blood, but when Aaron's sons are brought in to be consecrated, the oil is put upon the blood in both his case and theirs. In this Aaron represented Christ, and his sons us. We could not receive the Spirit until the flesh received its judgment, the oil was not to be poured upon man's flesh. The Spirit is given when a risen Christ is believed in. The preaching of the grace of God leads us to Christ who gives us the Spirit. When he was exalted to the right hand of God he received from the Father the Spirit, that he might pour it out upon us. There was no one great enough to bestow such a gift until Christ came. John says that when he saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and abiding on him, he knew him to be the Son of God. As Lamb of God he takes away the sin of the world, but as Son of God he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. There are two things connected with the Lamb of God, one is that he takes away the sin of the world by bearing the judgment of it, that is. It stands no longer as a barrier between God and the blessing of the creature. The other is the kingdom, the throne of God and of the Lamb is in the city, and during the kingdom sin will be put away completely from the universe, everything will be purged from its presence. During his reign the whole question of good and evil will be disentangled, sin will be placed with its author the devil, and good will be placed with its blessed source, God. Everything of the devil will be in the lake of fire, and everything that is of God will be in his universe of bliss. Thirdly, he is the one who leads his followers to the place where he himself dwells. Behold the Lamb of God. He is now to be the object of our hearts. It is not now what he does, but who he is. We behold him in glory, but we can contemplate him in his pathway here where he glorified God. John contemplated him as he walked, and he would have his disciples occupied with him. It did not matter to John if his disciples turned away from him if they followed Jesus. It was a joy to this servant of God to see his disciples turn their backs upon him and go after the Lamb of God. They followed Jesus. This is always the effect where the Spirit of God is at work. We turn from everyone to Christ, even from those who may have been instrumental in bringing the gospel to us, and to whom under God we owe everything. The Lamb of God fills our vision. This is the effect of all true ministry. The eye is directed to him alone, and the heart is engaged with him only. A ministry that has its power in the flesh draws the hearer after the minister. We should esteem those who teach us very highly for their works sake, but the faithful servant will turn the heart and mind of the hearer to Christ. John preached his congregations away from himself, and he did not turn them to the Pharisees, lawyers or scribes, he turned them to the Son of God. The two disciples that heard John speak followed Jesus, and he challenged them as to their object in following him. What seek ye? If the Lord were to turn to any of us here tonight and say to us these words, what would our answer be? Are we seeking the pleasures of the world or its riches? Are we after the world in any shape? The disciples had but one object before them, they would know where he dwelt. The Lord was a wanderer in this earth. We read in the other Gospels that he had not where to lay his head, but in this Gospel he has a dwelling place, and his great delight is to lead the hearts of his own into it. But that home cannot be described in human language, if you want to know it you must come and see. It was in the bosom of the Father that he found his home. And no one then knew that bosom but himself. But he had come to conduct others into that place of infinite delight, and the only way in which we could know that place was by knowing the Father and the Son who make that home all that it is. 
we read in John chapter 14 how the Lord says to his disciples, Whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. One of the disciples cannot understand this and says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And the Lord replies to this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father, but by me. The Father was declared in him. Therefore in coming to him they came to the Father. Thus he was the way to the Father. Philip says to him, Show us the Father, and the Lord answers, As it were, upon whom have you been looking all the time I have been with you? Whose words have you been listening to? Whose works have you seen? Whose moral nature has been manifested before your eyes? He that has seen me has seen the Father. But he was also the truth, for there is no truth as to the Father outside Christ. When I see him I see God fully revealed, and I see what man is according to the thought of God, and I see the true place and relationship that belongs to man in the counsels of God. And he is also the life in which the Father is to be enjoyed. The life of man in the flesh is corrupt and could never enjoy that scene of holiness and love, it is only in the life of Christ that we can enjoy that home of love. The truth as to that home in which the Son of God dwelt and to which he was leading his disciples can only be learned in his company and as he in the grace of his heart leads us into it. The whole Gospel of John is the answer to that word, come and see. If we want to see where he dwells we must read the pages of this Gospel. But we must read prayerfully and seek divine power to enter into what is brought before us there. These two disciples came and saw where he dwelt and they abode with him that day. No mere creature could have brought the light of that home to us. It can only be known as we know the Father and the Son, and as we advance in the knowledge of these divine persons, we are the more able to take in the light of that home of love. The Son came into the world to bring the light of that home to us, and to attract us to it after himself. And if we get to know that place of infinite blessedness we shall be less attached to this world, and we shall be more ready to follow Jesus out of it into the place where he is gone. And even now we may in the Spirit cross the heavenly door and breathe the atmosphere of that home of peace and love. And let us not put off our going in there until we leave this world. There is no place in the universe where we are so welcome, and no place where we feel so much at home. How blessed it is to contemplate the Lord in these three characters. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By his blood our consciences have been purged and our hearts affections won, and we have been freed from the dominion of sin. We see not yet creation freed from the presence of sin, but the Lamb of God will accomplish this also. And a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness will crown all his labors for the glory of God. And we know him who will do this work, it will be Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. He is the one who created all things in the first instance, and when all things in the heavens and the earth became defiled by sin, he is the one to cleanse away the defilement. The old creation was his handiwork, but the new creation will be the work of his heart. Behold, I make all things new, not merely renewed, but new. In that new creation there will be no spot or stain of sin. There will be no curse, no death, no sorrow, no crying. Everything will be according to God. The Father's love will pervade the whole redeemed creation. It is the portion of our hearts now, but then we will be in the home of love. How blessed and encouraging it is, in the turmoil and bustle of this selfish world, to turn the eye of faith to that heavenly land where Jesus is with the Father, and to feel that our home is there and that we are only waiting for him to come and bring us there, that we may be with him forever in his own dwelling place.